be in the book of Jonah as well as in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 12 and Jonah chapter 3. We are finishing our series entitled 40 this morning. We began several weeks ago looking at the 40 days of rain as darkness and chaos did not prevent God from saving his people through the flood. 40 days of Moses on Mount Sinai and 40 days of the people down waiting at the foot of the mountain, wondering how God was going to show up. And we wondered about how we respond in our waiting. 40 days of exploring the good promised land with the spies, trying to discern and decipher exactly what it is that God is calling us into. 40 days with David as Goliath taunted God's people, recognizing that the battle belongs to God and we wear the armor of God. 40 days of journeying with Elijah, some of us on a journey that is too great for us, and yet God meets us and sends us back on our way, knowing that life goes on and we are not alone. On Friday night, we follow Jesus into the wilderness as he was tempted three times, recognizing that Jesus' temptations are the ones we so often face. And where we fail, where Israel failed, Jesus succeeded and was victorious. And this morning, we listen as Jonah proclaims the good news, having been resurrected from the fish, that God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. So let's pray. Gracious God, as we open your word, we thank you for it. We thank you for the promises that you give to us in it. And as we reflect on it this morning, may your spirit fill my mouth, our hearts, our ears, and this place In Christ's name, amen. First from Jonah chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And so Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city and it took three days to go through it. And Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. And when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let people or animals... Herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish 
When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. And then we're going to flip ahead to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, we'll start at verse 38. Some of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law said to Jesus, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Jesus answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And the man of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with his generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with his generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now something greater than Solomon is here. This is the word of the Lord. For about three months now, I have been getting an email that is the same in my inbox. It is a bill from Spectrum Health for $69. And every couple of weeks, it shows up again and asks me to click in the box and pay my bill for it is overdue. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, why doesn't he just pay this if it's overdue? After all, it's not good to not pay your bills. Others of you are thinking, well, doesn't he know that if you don't pay your medical bills, eventually they'll send it to collectors and creditors? And some of you who maybe pay your bills are thinking, yeah, I've gotten that email too. Now, why am I not paying this bill? Well, the signs are all off. First of all, I never get a medical bill by way of email. It always comes in the mail. And I have not received a $69 bill from Spectrum Health in the mail. And so that's a sign to me that this is not a legitimate thing. The fact that there hasn't been any other kind of notification that this bill is in fact real, is a sign to me. When I pull up my explanation of benefits, my EOB, there's no record that I have a $69 charge anywhere. And so all of the signs tell me that this is a fraud, that this isn't the real thing, that I should ignore it and simply go on and hit delete. And so that's what I do. Right? Most of us, when we are trying to discern whether something is legit or not, we pull up our list of steps to discern the signs. We look for evidence that this is, in fact, what it is that it says it is. And when the Pharisees and the teachers of the law come to Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, they ask for some signs. And, and before we get too hard on the Pharisees, we should recognize that if someone walked in to First Cutlerville this morning and said, I'm Jesus, the Savior of the world, all of us would ask, where's the proof? 
We didn't hear the trumpet sound. We didn't see the dead raised. We didn't hear the voice of the archangel. None of the signs that Jesus has returned are here. And so we too would be a bit speculative. We would put our hands up and we would say, hold on a second, where is the proof that you are in fact who you say you are? We do this kind of sign-checking thing all of the time. When we're going to meet with a new doctor, we, we don't tell them, but when we, look in, we walk in the office, we check the diplomas on the wall. When we're going to get a bid for concrete work in our backyard, we maybe ask for references. We check out whether their website is legit. We ask if there's other work that they've done that we could go see. Right? When we look for evidence, we look for signs that things are indeed as they appear. And so it's a bit strange then when Jesus doesn't say to them, haven't you heard me preach? After all, Matthew is the gospel where we've got the Sermon on the Mount and we know that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, at least some of them, were there. They've listened to him preach and yet Jesus doesn't say, well, if you had listened to my sermons, if you had listened to my preaching, you would know that I preach as one who has authority. Jesus doesn't point to the illnesses and the sicknesses and the that he has healed, or the demons that he has cast out. He doesn't point to any of that. He doesn't pull up the Old Testament and walk people through Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and the other minor prophets and say, here's all of the hints. He simply refers them to one weird reference. None but the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now, if there were children in that audience, and I'd like to think that there were, they were immediately pulling up those wonderful scenes of the big fish. Right? We know Jonah because of the big fish and the spitting out of Jonah by the big fish onto the ground. You can't tell me that you haven't wondered if the big fish spit Jonah out of his mouth or through the air hole in the top. I like to think that the air hole of that creature was so big and God's sense of humor so grand that the fish, as it was doing its drive-by, sort of tilted its head just ever so much and sneezed Jonah on to grand. I have no biblical or scriptural proof of that, but that's the image that I like to bring to mind. And, and so the kids in the audience, as they're listening to Jesus, they're bringing that to mind. And they're thinking, is that the sign? That God is going to sneeze the teachers of the law out of his nose? No. Yes, they would have laughed just like that. <laughs> Thanks, Rogan. 
Jesus says, this is the sign. The sign is that Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, and at the end was resurrected to go and proclaim good news. And that news was so good that the worst of the worst turned their lives around. Now in Jonah chapter 3, we, we watch as Jonah goes through the city. And this is a horrible message. Right? All that Jonah says is, bad news, repent. Doesn't ever tell the people who to repent to. Doesn't say what to repent of. Doesn't give them a set of steps. Doesn't tell them what prayer to offer. Here's the, the short prayer that you can offer to ask Jesus into your heart and repent. He doesn't give any of that. He simply says, in 40 days, the city is going down. And yet, that's good news. In the ears of the Ninevites, who history tells us are the worst of the worst. They are a people so bad that the history books are embarrassed to tell us of what they did. And Jesus says to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that the empty tomb the grave is a sign so great, a sign so spectacular, so profound of the good news of God's relenting mercy. If you have your Bible open and go back to Jonah chapter 3, you can see as the people cover themselves and their pets in sackcloth. And the king goes and says, who knows, maybe God will change his mind. And we learn later that this is precisely why Jonah doesn't want to preach the good news. Because he knows how God is. He knows that God is so compassionate, so gracious, that God might just change his mind. And Jonah does not want the opposing political party to hear the good news. Jonah does not want the neighbors who allow their dog to bark at 2 a.m. to hear the good news. Jonah does not want our coworker who microwaves their ethnic food every day and stinks up the place to hear the good news. And we realize that the sign of Jonah is actually twofold. It's spoken first and foremost to the teachers of the law and the hard hearts to say, God does not fit in how you imagine him to be. God does not approve of the political party you approve of because you approve of it. God does not like the people you like because you like them. God does what he wants. 
And he invites you to be part of the good news of the kingdom of God and the proclamation of his mission along the way. And the sign of Jonah is a warning to you and I. The sign of Jonah and the empty tomb is a warning to you and I that God does not fit in our boxes, but rather we fit in his kingdom. It is a warning to us, the sign of the empty tomb, the resurrection, the character of God to extend mercy is a sign that our hearts should not be hard, but soft. And the sign of Jonah is a message to those who are far off, to those whose past are full of stains and darkness, who come on a day like today wondering how in the world God could ever move toward them. If God only knew how far I had run away, if God only knew the darkness of my sin, the sign of Jonah, the empty tomb, is a sign that the kingdom of God, that the mercy and compassion of God turns to the heart that moves ever so slightly in his direction. One of the most remarkable things in the story of Jonah is that when Jonah proclaims the message, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown, the people immediately turn. We don't know if they got it right, and yet God saw their ever so slight turn, ever so slight repent, and he relented. And how much more to those hearts who turn toward him, who express the hope in Jesus Christ. And so the sign of Jonah, the empty tomb, is a sign to have a soft heart turned toward the mercy of God. Let's pray. Gracious God, some of us need a soft heart. We come this morning a bit hard-hearted. We've heard the story so many times. We know how it ends. Maybe some of us have grown up in the church, and this is a service we come to to make some of the people that are, we're here with happy, to get them off our back for a couple of days. God, may the sign of Jonah come to us and may it remind us to turn, to repent, to relent, that you turn toward us in love, that you turn toward your people and the world in gracious, compassionate mercy. God, for others of us who are desperate to hear again the good news of the gospel, and who desire to live a life that is like a sign. May we be like a sign. May we be filled with the light of the resurrected Christ, 
and point people to the empty tomb and what it means. That there is life in the here and now. And that someday all of the sad things will be made untrue. And that our hearts can express and be filled with the compassionate mercy of our Creator. Because the Spirit of Jesus Christ lives in us. God, may we be filled with hope as people of the resurrection. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. People of signs and seals. And on the night of his arrest, on the night of his betrayal, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it.